day. Jesus, I will cling to you. Come what may, because I know you're able. And I know you
Well, good morning and welcome to Cypress Bible Church. Glad that you have joined us uh, today. Uh, just a reminder for uh, those who are online with us that we are holding in-person services at 9.30 and 11, our 9.30 service being live streamed. Uh, just uh, as people, we know that God is working to shape us into the image of His Son, Jesus. And uh, this gathering that we have for praise and prayer and teaching and truth is one way that uh, He does that. And as a church, we seek to become more like Jesus as we gather for life-changing worship, grow through life-changing truth, and go in life-changing mission. Uh, during this service this morning, I invite you to text a prayer request to us. Uh, the number on the screen is 409-203-6195. And uh, that is for if maybe there's something heavy on your heart and uh, you would like prayer today. Maybe during worship you're convicted, uh, convicted about something uh, God puts on your heart and you want to share that. Or maybe you want to uh, share praise about what God is doing in your life. So text your request to this number, and uh, at the close of the service, I will pray for uh, some of those requests. Uh, we'll put all of the requests possible uh, in our church prayer list uh, this week as well, but where possible, I'll pray for some of them uh, near the close of our service this morning. Please watch the screens for this uh, announcement from Kids Life. <laughs> Thank you again for the uh, 
food and supplies that uh, you gave during our Fill the Trailer event as we uh, uh, gave to Cypress Assistance Ministries. Uh, and, and Cam, by the way, distributed more food in the last four months than in all of 2019. And so this need is ongoing. In order to help Cam meet that need, we're beginning a, a new collection called Love Your Neighbor. Uh, so uh, I Trust that we'll fill this trailer again and again, and uh, donation information is available as you leave today so that you can participate uh, in this event as well. Uh, I invite you to worship today with words from Romans 8. Uh, This chapter is one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture, filled with incredible truth. But just hear uh, a few sentences beginning in uh, verse 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Abba, Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us we are God's children. What a great reminder that our identity is in Christ alone. Through him I am a child of God. So would you join me as we declare that truth in this song, glory to the highest king who calls me his own. Let's stand and sing today.
I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am You are for me and not against me. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Sing it again. I am chosen, not forsaken. If you 
of my Savior there is life forevermore. What an incredible image of the amazing grace of our sovereign Lord. Amen. Though while we were yet broken and weary, fallen, in Him there is redemption. We are no longer separated by the darkness that once overshadowed us. Let's take a look at this passage from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. You'll see the words on the screen. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, friends, there's only one that can forgive. There's only one stream of mercy that can purify us from all unrighteousness. 
And that stream flows from the sacrifice that was given on Calvary at the cross where Jesus' blood ran red. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. Let's sing it together. And there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the ever found comes like a flood flowing down at the cross at the cross at the cross I surrender my life I'm in all you I'm in all you where your love
You guys may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Uh, you know, we just recently finished up our mystery VBS. Uh, we got to put on our detective hats and pretend like we're Sherlock Holmes and uh, investigate some mysteries. Uh, and that really reminds me of something I did a lot when I was a kid. Uh, maybe uh, you do this as well if you're watching at home or if you guys are here. Maybe you did this when you were a kid. Uh, did a lot of dress up. Uh, I had a whole box of costumes in my house and throw on different things from uh, superheroes to, uh, I don't know, I had... Uh, a Robinson Crusoe outfit one Halloween. Uh, so there's lots of fun different costumes that we have. Um, and it's pretty fun to play dress up sometimes. So let's see if I throw this on, if I can get it over my head. Oh gosh, I don't, th I don't think I can. What, what am I dressing up as? Just call it out. What do you think? Olympic uh, athlete. That's right. And I got, I got a gold. That's pretty good. Um, what about now? I can pretend as if maybe... Perfect. This time. All right, so I'm Spider-Man. What about Batman? All right, y'all are doing pretty good. Okay, now here's the thing about these masks, though, that I don't really understand. You'll see in all those different superhero TV shows and movies that once someone's thrown on a mask, then nobody can recognize them, right? Nobody can understand who they are, uh, even their friends and family. And then when they take off their mask, they're like, Oh my goodness, Bruce Wayne, I had no idea. Or Clark Kent puts on his glasses and there's Clark Kent and he takes them off and they say, Superman, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Uh, it seems kind of silly that people couldn't see past the mask uh, if it's someone they know. Um, you see, we like to pretend, we like to cover up, but really the people who know us best can see through any mask. Uh, even if it's the mask you're having to wear to come to church or go to school, uh, people can see past the mask and they know who we are. And just like that, God knows who we are. He sees past any mask, anything that we try to cover up with. Uh, you see, we talked last week in our kids' message, uh, in our Kids' Life worship video, about Adam and Eve and how they tried to cover up their sin after they did something wrong. And they covered up and they hid from God. But could God still see them? Did God know what they did? He did. He sees everything and he knew exactly what had happened. You see, we can't hide from God. Uh, God knows our hearts. He knows what we've done. Uh, he loves us, but we also know that we've sinned, and we've all done something wrong. And so we can't hide our sin when we go to God. We can't go to Him and put on a mask like Batman or Wonder Woman, and we can't pretend that everything's okay. Uh, we might try to, but ultimately, uh, we'd be pretending, and we don't want to pretend before God. You see, God doesn't want us to try to cover up our sin. He doesn't want us to try to cover up who we are because he wants us to go to him honestly and share our heart with him and confess our sins and come to him so that he can clean us and make us new. Now, I'm going to throw this costume on and I want to see if you can figure out who this is. 
All right, who am I? Superman. Now, unfortunately, I'm not Superman. I'm still Pastor Evan. Um, but it's the closest I can maybe get to, to Superman. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, we see that in the Bible it says that when we trust in Jesus, uh, we are covered up by his blood. Uh, he has covered our sins. When God looks at us, if we've trusted in Jesus, trusted in the sacrifice he made for us on the cross, he sees Jesus when he looks at us. He sees his righteousness. And so the thing is, we don't want to go and pretend before God. We want to go to him honestly, ask for forgiveness that Jesus gives us, and then we are transformed into something new. We have a new life, and we are covered by Jesus. You see, the blood of Jesus covers all our sins, and that is something that we can truly celebrate today.
I spend some time uh, thinking, reflecting on some of my past mistakes and failures and sins. And uh, out of the thousands and thousands that I could think of, here are three that I will share with you. For about 15 years, I led a uh, men's Bible study at 6 o'clock on Saturday mornings, and uh, uh, it, was a, it was a very good group. And uh, then Ted joined us. So I have a, a room full of about 30 guys, and uh, Ted dominated the study all the time. He, he answered every single question. And I would say, well, let, let's hear what somebody else has to say. And, and uh, he would show off his Bible knowledge and have these long-winded speeches and teach us everything. And finally, I took Ted aside and I, I just uh, asked him to please let others uh, contribute and uh, tone down. And it would work for a little while, and then I'd have to do it again as, as uh, he would dominate the study. And then one Saturday morning, as Ted was going on and on and on about something, I lost it. I mean, I blew up. I just uh, exploded in front of everybody, uh, yelled at Ted, and, and uh, um, just, uh, it, was, it was the most exciting Bible study ever. Um, the other incident, failure number two, was a phone call uh, I got from a guy I didn't know who said his family was in need, and, and uh, we get like, requests like that all the time from complete strangers. And uh, I, I don't remember what the exact situation was that he called about, uh, but uh, I, I know there wasn't much I could do to help. However, I did think of one thing that I could try. I told him there wasn't much of a chance that that would be successful, but I would try. And then uh, right after the, the phone call ended, I got busy, and I did not even think about it again until some hours later he called back for an answer. And I said something like, sorry, I did everything I could to help, but I, but I can't help you. Not true. The third situation is something completely different. A, a publisher contacted me to write an article, and I immediately agreed to that. Uh, after saying yes, I, I did ask myself, well, why did I do that? I certainly wasn't desperate for money, and uh, not that it would pay that much, and, and uh, I, I didn't have a lot of spare time to give to it at that point in my life. And, and it was a subject I was qualified to write about, but I'm not the only one or even the best one to, uh, to, to, to write about it. So I realized that I had agreed to write this uh, for probably the wrong reasons. So that's just a small example of some of my many failings, an angry outburst, a lie, and a, a selfish motive. So later I'll tell you how each of these turned out. But uh, I want to ask, what comes to mind from your past? Well, what are some things, some mistakes that you have made? Well, we're in this series called Survival Songs. Uh, each week we're studying a psalm, that's the songbook of the Old Testament, that deals with some of the challenges of life. And today we're in Psalm 32, uh, which I've titled Surviving Yesterday's Mistakes. And it shows us how to deal with the sins of the past. It begins this way. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So uh, let's picture uh, part of what this says by using three images. Here are the three images. A no trespassing sign, a snooze button, and a photo app. I would say that each of these three represents the three different words used for sin in this psalm. Uh, the, the first, it, transgression, uh, means rebellion 
or loss, a trespass. Uh, so I want you to think of that no trespassing sign. Uh, that, that means this is private property. Go away. You're not welcome here. usually says uh, uh, violators will be prosecuted. Some places it says trespassers will be shot. In Texas it says trespassers will be shot, survivors shot again. Not very Christ-like, by the way. But that's how it's treated. You don't belong here. Go away. The, the idea of trespassing is what this means. So... Uh, Every time, let me define it this way. Next slide. Next slide. You're going to have to do it for me. Thank you. Oop, there we go. Trans- transgressing is about crossing a God-given boundary. That's what this word means. So every time you wander into forbidden territory, you're transgressing. doesn't matter if it was one step or one mile over that God-given line. Transgression, therefore, is lust that's unchecked uh, or cultivated or indulged. Uh, transgression is a lie that helps you avoid responsibility or gives you an advantage. Transgression is jealousy over someone who has the job that you want, the spouse you want, the house you want, the recognition you want. Transgression is a about crossing a God-given boundary. So for the next term, sin, uh, think of a snooze button. Uh, The snooze alarm. This is about not doing what you should have done. Uh, The the, the word here simply means to miss the way. So so it's not doing what you should have done. Why did I pick a snooze button? Well, let's say you're determined to get more exercise. Uh, You you need to lose the the COVID-19 pounds that you've gained in the last few months. So I'm going to set my alarm and get up early, and I'm going to exercise and and, and get into shape. Uh, I'm going to do this every day, and I'm going to lose those COVID-19 pounds. So next morning, the alarm goes off, and you say, well, not every day, and you hit the snooze button, all right? Uh, and so uh, you do that, you're, you're not going to accomplish that goal. Uh, if uh, you hit the snooze button and ignore your prayer and Bible reading uh, and do that enough times, your spiritual life is going to suffer. Uh, if you uh, hit the snooze button and don't get up for work uh, and get to work on time enough times, you're not going to have a job. Uh, so, so this is not doing what you should do. And that's this word for sin here. So for example, a member of your family or a close friend uh, does wrong, is doing wrong, and you say nothing. You don't try to encourage them or, or exhort them in any way. Or, or a neighbor needs help that you can give and you uh, don't offer or you, don't, you, you lie when you, they, they might ask you for it. Or you have a chance to uh, speak up for what's right and fear keeps you quiet. This is about not doing what you should have done. The third term is, Inequity or iniquity, uh, and you'll have to flip the slides for me here, apparently. Uh, Think of this photo app, because this word means to bend, twist, or distort. Bend, twist, or distort. Now, now many people post photos of themselves, uh, and they use filters and programs to improve how they look, especially if you're an Instagram influencer, like many of you, I'm sure, are, then you might use this filter to make yourself look better. So this particular app uh, says, re- and I quote, regardless of what you consider to be your facial flaws, you can correct them and your parents will still recognize you. Retouching tools let you fix problems, skin, whiten teeth, slim down your face, brighten eyes, tame eyebrows, or go glamorous with full makeup and glitter brushes. 
So you might want to get that one right away. Uh, this, uh, I use this because this, this term uh, means to distort or change, but, but in a good way. It, this is about, uh, next slide, is about making yourself look better than you are. That's what iniquity is, making me look better than I am. Uh, so, so you might a- actually do something that appears to be good, but underneath is bad. For example, you make a gift to charity, and that looks generous, but really what's behind it, it's, it's, it's a tax write-off. That's really the only reason you're doing it. Or, or it's a means of self-promotion uh, or promoting your business. Or, or let's say you praise somebody and you compliment how they look or, or uh, uh, compliment their work. But really you're doing that in hopes that they will compliment you or in hopes that they will like you and, and you can please them. Uh, or you offer to teach a class or to lead a ministry or help in some way, but your reason is so that you can show off your knowledge or that you can have influence. Or, or you, you're asked to serve in a volunteer position, maybe uh, on a board or, or, or a committee, uh, but the main reason you agree to do that is so that you can straighten out those idiots who've been in charge before. So it's an it's a, it's a underlying motive that's wrong. This is about doing something that's good, but the real motive is bad. So these are three categories of sin. Now guess what? These aren't all the categories that the Bible lists, but there are three in this psalm. And, and notice, so uh, the no trespassing, trespassing sign is going where I shouldn't go. Uh, the snooze button is failing to do what I should do. And the photo app is making me look better than I am. This is... Uh, trespass and sin and iniquity. And I'm guilty of these things and a lot more. Now, what I want to point out to you is these are not mistakes. These are not mistakes. Mistakes are something that we make all the time. They're caused by uh, accidents or uh, their ignorance or some other... When you make a mistake, in a sense, you you don't really have to ask for forgiveness. You might need to say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that, or or, I I made a mistake, I'll try not to let that happen again. But really, the title of the sermon is misleading because it's really not mistakes we have to worry about. Uh, True mistakes are not really those things that are going to burden us down. Uh, But... The issue is that our culture wants us to call everything that we do wrong a mistake. It wants us to rename what actually things are. So when a public official gets caught with a prostitute, uh, he announces he made a mistake. Uh, When a blogger anonymously posts vicious words about somebody and then gets identified, uh, she made a mistake. When when a soccer mom gets uh, charged for uh, driving while intoxicated, She made a mistake. A guy gets arrested for possessing child porn. It's a tragic mistake. That's how our society handles things. And so that that comes into our thinking as well. And it is a a big problem. You say, why is it a problem? Well, as uh, Andy Stanley once said, if everything I do wrong can be dumbed down to being just a mistake, that makes me a mistaker, not a sinner. And notice this, this next slide here, that that if if I'm a mistaker, and not a sinner, then I don't need a Savior. That's the problem. If I turn everything I do into a mistake, then I don't need a Savior. Uh, when, when it's all that's wrong with me is just sometimes I make mistakes, then I just need to do better next time. I need to try harder. But if I'm a sinner, it demands much, much more than that. And some of us might not struggle with too much guilt or failure from the past because we've taken yesterday's garbage and we've renamed it a mistake 
And our reasoning might be, well, I was young then, and I didn't know any better. I was sowing my wild oats, or I was hanging out with the wrong people, or they did this to me, and, and I was just trying to get even with them, or I didn't mean to hurt you. Uh, but, but see, if I'm ever going to experience true freedom, if I'm ever going to know the blessing of God's forgiveness, I cannot simply be a mistaker. I must admit that I am a sinner. I can't minimize my sin. And this psalm says that blessing comes when I recognize my transgressions, when I'm honest about my failure, when I face up to my own depravity, then there is blessing. And notice as we, as we look at these couple of verses again, the, the blessing does not come from the fact that, well, now I'm honest. Look at this next slide, please. You put that back up there. Uh, the blessing comes that the, the amazing way that God responds because it's how God, look at, there's three words, each of these three words for sin, transgression and sin and iniquity, uh, is attached to another word that shows us how God deals with our sin, how he responds. Notice the first blessing is that transgression is forgiven. That means it's carried away, it's removed. Yes, you stepped over the line, you trespassed. But blessing comes when God carries that away and removes the offense. The second blessing is having my sin covered. That's what it says there. And once God deals with your sin, it's no longer exposed to view. Your sin is not left sitting out in the open where God can point back to it and say, yeah, yeah, remember this? No, when God has dealt with your sin, he doesn't drag it out for everybody to see. He doesn't keep reminding you of your failure. That's a blessing. And the final blessing is that God does not count iniquity. It doesn't count iniquity. Uh, so God's attitude toward your sin is not scored against you. God doesn't bring it up uh, uh, anymore as a, as a reason for his displeasure. It's, it's, it's gone so far. He doesn't mark it down against you. A baseball term, three strikes and you're out, is an expression that's used in everyday life and even in, in legal terms. Now, we warn somebody by saying, that's strike one. Well, the blessing of this psalm is that the Lord doesn't count iniquity uh, in that God doesn't say he, you can never, there can never be a strike three. It's even better than that. There isn't even a strike one. God doesn't count it against you. Now, that's great news, but it's not automatically true. God does care about sin. Uh, he doesn't just ignore sin. So let's continue the, the psalm to discover more. Look at verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. So this describes how past sins can take a, a toll on your mind and body. David, who wrote this song, felt physically sick. And he was in emotional agony. He, he had intense pressure felt on him because of these, these past things. It left him weak and fragile and exhausted. And, and this misery, notice, it, it's caused by his silence. That's what the verse says. So that means David did not admit, he did not confess, he did not repent of his sin. He thought of himself as a mistaker at worst. And maybe that, that would have been around the bitterness that he could have had over family members and friends who had, who had uh, mistreated him, who had uh, betrayed him. And, and he might even say, well, they should have never done that, and they get what they deserve, and that wasn't my fault. Or it could have been uh, the very way that he looked at his adultery. 
Uh, and, and well, that's just a phase I was going through. That was a midlife crisis. Uh, and, and so he kept silent about whatever those sins were. He didn't acknowledge them. He didn't confess them. And the result was this emotional, spiritual, physical agony. Maybe you've been there. Perhaps you've experienced that kind of misery over your past sins. And, and, let me tell you, ignore it long enough and the pain will lessen. Keep suppressing the groans and eventually the guilt becomes tolerable, bearable. But that's a dangerous place to be. Instead, look how this song describes finding relief. Next verse, verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, relief comes when he recognized his sin for what it was. Now, I don't want you to miss the fact that all three of those sin words that we saw in the first two uh, verses are repeated here again. Trespass, iniquity, sin. And David deals with all three of these words, and he says, I I confess stepping across the line and ignoring your no trespassing sign. I admit my failure to do what I should do in hitting the snooze button. I acknowledge my twisted tendencies when I Photoshop myself to make me look better. And the result of that clear confession is, you forgave me. God, you forgave me. I I came clean on this, and you forgave me. Now, there are two main categories of people in this world. And the categories are those, first of all, who are trying to manage their mistakes. They go through life trying to manage the mistakes that they make. And the other category of people are those who throw themselves on the mercy of God because they know they are sinners. Those are two categories of people. And that's really what it means to become a Christian. It's when I recognize I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, Jesus is that Savior. And so I have to stop trusting myself to fix things. i got to stop trying to just do better and and put all my trust in Jesus who paid for my sin with his death on the cross. Because I will never be good enough on my own. Only Jesus can rescue me, redeem me, heal me, and make me whole. And when your faith is in him, the Bible says that the one sacrifice of Christ takes away your sin. And that's the transaction you must make with God. No one can do that for you. And if you think you don't need that, you're lost. If you think, God's going to give me a break because I'm a good person, you're lost. If you think that since you haven't done anything really seriously sinful, you'll take your chances, you're lost. If you imagine that because God is love, he won't let his judgment fall on you, you are lost. And you need to throw yourself on God's mercy today. You need to put all your trust in Christ today. Uh, You need to recognize that you're a transgressor, a sinner in need of forgiveness. And the good news is that forgiveness is available to all who believe, no matter how broken and flawed you are, no matter what your past looks like. Now, for those of you who have already believed, you've crossed over from death to life through Jesus. But the reality is that you might still struggle with some of yesterday's mistakes, and I'm going to use that word. And you can identify maybe with some of the the misery in this psalm because you continue to to drag around baggage and garbage that makes today stink. Well, this song tells you what you need to do, not just to survive, but to thrive because you don't need to spend every day regretting the past. Your insides uh, don't have to to churn over wrong decisions and rebellion and stupid words and painful experiences and guilt from yesterday. Even when you have to live with the consequences of past wrongs, and that is one of the realities, we have to live with some of the consequences of things that we do, 
You can still have blessing in spite of that. And you might wonder this, well, I'm a believer. I've put my trust in Jesus, so why do I still feel that way? Or at least sometimes feel that way. Why can't I get away from the regret and the blame and the shame of the past, even though I've trusted in Christ? Well, let me ask you this. Is it possible that you have started to see yourself more as a mistaker than a sinner? Have you been minimizing your sin in some way? Have you been refusing to admit your pride or, or putting your failures really onto uh, the fault of other people in the position they're putting you in? Uh, or, or have you failed to recognize your selfishness, your anger, because you didn't get what you wanted? Have you failed to identify your twisted motivations? Have you ignored your self-righteousness, self-justifying, self-centered behavior? Have you started to live as a mistaker? And, and that's key because this psalm tells you how to get to the place of blessing. Notice this next slide. When I stop covering up my sin, God carries it away. That, when I stop covering up, that's what, God carries it away. The very act of identifying and revealing and confessing my sin brings the blessing of increased joy and gratitude and relief and love for God. You see, I'll tell you this. Every so often, I get overwhelmed with self-loathing. All right? Every so often, that happens. It happened a couple of weeks ago. told my wife about it. She says, yeah, that happens to me too. But uh, I, So what am I thinking? This self-loathing, what's that, what's that about? Well, some of the things are like I'm thinking about you know, selfish motives that I've had. Uh, some, sometimes times I've shaded the truth. Times I've been careless with words. Bad reactions I've had. And, and in reality, I mean, these are things I've confessed. These are things I've dealt with uh, before God. And yet sometimes they'll sort of clump up on me and, and fill me with this kind of self-loathing for a little while. And, and what's going on there? Well, sometimes the enemy is using that to accuse me, to overwhelm me with guilt, to discourage me, to depress me. And what I need to do most is simply redeclare my victory in Jesus, because there is victory in Jesus. And to be reminded again, yes, yes, this, this, that happened, uh, but, but it's been dealt with by the blood of Christ. You know what? Sometimes uh, those things come back because it, it's, it's a way to help me connect the dots to failure that's going on in my life right now. So I so get this self-loathing. because yeah, over that in the past, but really, you know, that kind of thing is happening right now. And, and it calls me to confess that, prompts me to live in the forgiveness of God. And, and all of that reminds me every day of just how much I need Jesus. Now, once Jesus was invited to dinner by a religious leader, and uh, a, a woman who'd lived a sinful life um, heard Jesus was going to be there, and she was not invited, but she sort of snuck in. And uh, she, she just rushed right up to Jesus, and and uh, she's, she's weeping. She bows at his feet, and tears are streaming down her face, and, and they drip onto Jesus. And using her hair, she washes Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair, kisses his feet. And she opens up a jar of perfume and anoints him with it. Now, the religious leader, the host, he's disturbed about all this because how would Jesus let somebody like this touch him? Uh, I mean, if this Jesus really was a prophet, he's thinking, uh, then, then he would know what a mess this woman is, what, how immoral she is. He'd never, but he obviously is no prophet. Well, the religious leader, host of the party, had not 
greeted Jesus properly when he had arrived. He had not offered him water to wash his dusty feet. He had not anointed his, his head as, as uh, was typical in that day. He had done none of these things of hospitality. And yet, this woman is putting on a rather embarrassing display of emotion. But see, the reality was Jesus did know how immoral she was. He did know the depths of her sin. And he also knew how much she longed for forgiveness. And Jesus forgave her sin. And in Luke 7, 47, Jesus said, He who has been forgiven little, loves little. I want you to think about that. He's been forgiven little, loves little. You realize that sometimes religion insulates people from realizing how sinful they are. Failing to understand just how fallen, how twisted they are. Because what is it that motivates love for God and praise and worship and adoration and service and joy? It's appreciating how much you've been forgiven. And so I need to stop concealing my sin. I've got to stop renaming it and justifying it and minimizing it and covering it up. My survival depends on that because when I stop covering up my sin, God carries it away. So that day I lost it in the Bible study that I was leading. And I tore into that guy, Ted. It wasn't a mistake. It was sin. It was sinful anger. Now, to tell you the truth, there was a couple of guys that came up and said, yeah, it's about time you did that. One guy said, don't feel bad about that. He deserved it. But the reality was, he did not deserve how I did it or in front of him I did it. Uh, it, it. It was wrong. It was sin. And so I went to Ted and I asked for his forgiveness. And then before the whole group, I asked for their forgiveness because I knew it was sinful anger. That day when I lied to the guy on the phone about doing all I could to help his family, that's, that's what it was. It was why I had done nothing. So as soon as I began to realize this, I, I went and did what I had promised I would do. And it turned out I couldn't help him as I thought in the first place and was able to, to tell him that. But at least I admitted my lie and tried to correct it. That day I agreed to write an article and later examined why I said yes. I realized it was all about selfish, sinful motives. It was about feeding my ego. It was about getting my voice back out there again. It was about being flattered by the offer. And so just a couple days later, I called the publisher and I said, thanks for the opportunity, but no thanks. And they never called me again. Now these things are not baggage that I carry around because I don't excuse my anger. I don't justify my lies. I don't pretend my motives are all pure. And, and so those times of, of failure become blessing points of forgiveness. And that blessing comes to those who are in Christ. When instead of covering up my sins, we admit and confess and know the joy of God carrying them away. You see, I'm not a mistaker. I'm not just a mistaker. I'm a sinner. And the good news is that sinners are the ones Jesus came to save. So as we sing today, oh, come to the altar, I invite you to use these few moments as we sing to express your own heart to God. As that song says, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Christ. So do business with God and uncover what he knows is there and confess to him and receive his forgiveness today.
Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. Lord God, you are mighty, mighty to save. Thank you that you've provided all that's necessary through your son Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, our perfect Savior, for your willingness to be obedient even to the point of death on the cross. Lord, I bring before you this people, those in front of me and those watching on screens. There are many needs. There are many sins. Lord, help us by your Spirit to realize how dangerous it can be to think of ourselves as simply mistakers. By your Spirit, convict us of our need of you. I thank you for these who have, during this service, asked for prayer, a number of whom don't want their names mentioned publicly, but you know their heart, you know their need. You know the needs in the family around them and what they're going through in this world. So Lord, pour out your grace and mercy upon them. Praise you for what you have done in speaking to the hearts of some folks listening this morning. Continue to work by your Spirit. I want to pray for my dear brother Wes as he seeks a job. Lord, these are challenging times in which to find a job, but I pray that you would provide in a miraculous way for Wes. And I'm sure there are others, even in this room today, with that same prayer. Lord, you've created us and called us to be a productive people and so enable our dear brother and others here to find work to support and sustain them. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that you promised through Christ. And I, I ask, Lord, that we would experience that forgiveness, the joy, the worship, the gratitude that comes when we know we are a forgiven people, not because we deserve it, but because you have graciously poured it out to us through Jesus. 
so now I pray this benediction upon us as a people that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you be filled with all the fullness of God. May that be true. The glory, the name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. You are good, you're good.